Only, it's only game. Why you have to be mad? I'm not answering that. That's a clown question, bro. Hey lifers, welcome back to Real Life Sports. I'm your host, Christian Garcia. Joining me today on the pod is my good friend, Nick Grantham. How's it going, bud? Hey, what's up, brother? Doing well, man. How's your week been? It's been busy. Uh, another busy week. I've been remodeling um, the house, which I'm going to be living in in the near future. Okay. Yeah, so we've been gutting and tearing out the downstairs section. There were a lot of old cabinets, you know, like that 1970s look. and Sure, yeah. <laughs> tearing all those out and putting new cabinets in, tearing the carpet out, putting wood floors in. So it's been it's been a lot of fun, but some long days. <laughs> yeah, I hear it. So I thought you guys were renting a townhome. It's it's actually we're we're paying for it. It's a you know we own it. Oh, it's, that's awesome! Yeah, I didn't know that actually you know I don't own it yet, but when we get married, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. So it's there's a mortgage. Um, it is a townhome, but yeah. You know, it's going to be a cool place for us to start out, and maybe one day we'll be the people renting it out to others. <laughs> yeah, that's the dream, man. You want to make that passive income. Yeah, exactly. That's the way to go. So, thank you guys for joining us today. We are recording today's episode on March 27th. It's 27th, right? I think it's 28th. Is it 28th? I'm going to fact check you on that right off the bat. You are right. It is Thursday, March 28th. We're recording at 7 p.m. Central Standard, and happy opening day. Yeah, it is opening day in baseball. I went to practice today, and the whole time I had my phone in my pocket listening to the radio broadcast for the Jays. There you go, man. And we got we got beat, and it was not a good game from what I heard. Well, the Rangers got completely blown out as well. Yeah, they, they opened up with the Cubs, right? Yeah, I think oh. last time I looked, it was like twelve to four. Oh boy, so. last time I looked, it was like eight to two. So oh yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> well, I don't think we have any announcements this week. I mean, as always, we're going to pitch Real Life Network. If you guys like today's episode, you want to hear more content like this in other genres, such as film study, lore, uh, second thought. Like, I'm trying (laughs) to think of, like, those are more, like, Real Life Lore and Second Thought are more educational channels. Um, I did a guest spot on Incubator last week, and I had a blast. So, shout out to those dudes. Uh, They put out episodes every Tuesday. I know we put out episodes every Monday, so... If you're a fan of the network, you get a little like one two action there. Action. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So again, if you like the network, check it out on social media. It's at RL is it RL no, our handles are RL Sports. The network is just real life network yep. on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. So no more announcements. I think we should probably just hop right into the uh the segment here. The yeah, uh, the starting, starting lineup. lineup. All right. This week, uh, like you said, actually, before we get into this week, I want to talk about today. Okay. So, as you mentioned, today is baseball's opening day. I'm not really very excited for uh, our local (laughs) sports team, to be honest. I don't expect much from the Rangers. Although, this is their final season at Globe Life Park. Right. It's going to be Globe Life Field starting next season. Right. And so, little side note, you were on the mark when we did our... uh our stadium episode you were on the mark the xfl the dallas xfl team is playing in globe life park okay that's what i thought you were right on there good work thank you um so also today march 28th marks exactly 16 years ago that kobe bryant played his last game against michael jordan i found this out today and kobe went off he scored 55 points was 9 of 13 from three points so that would have been wizards yeah that would have been wizards um gotcha so you know obviously mj wasn't in his prime but yeah you know kobe had a pretty big showing obviously um there is a reason for him to probably step up his game when he's playing against you know oh yeah the all-time greatest well did you (laughs) see i think kobe had an interview this week on a late night talk show and and i don't remember who it was but they said 
I mean, how would you rank your top three? And he said, me first, MJ number two, LeBron number three. Yeah, I saw that. I can get behind that. <laughs> I mean, Kobe's not number one, but... I mean, he sure thinks he is, and I, I love it. I mean, yeah. I actually heard... This is something I heard from Stephen A. Smith, but he spoke with Kobe, and Kobe told him, I truly believe that I'm the better player. And, uh, and Michael Jordan knows that. <laughs> oh, no. So Stephen A. Smith was saying that he actually reached out to Michael Jordan, and he just <laughs> laughed and said, yeah, that's true. Kobe absolutely believes that, and you know, I respect him <laughs> for it, but I'm going to disagree or agree to disagree. Dude, <laughs> but I think so it's cool, great. man. They're, they're such similar players, and they have such a similar mentality. That's why I love both of them so much, man. I don't want to get into ranking, but... Yeah. So there's a... There's a video, maybe two videos out there on YouTube where it's like Michael Jordan's moves and then Kobe's moves. And yeah, I've seen this. They're almost picture perfect the exact same. Yeah. And I think there was another interview that I saw on YouTube as well where Michael's talking about, you know, who could he beat today in one-on-one? And this must have been like either late 2000s or like early 2010s because he's like, yeah, I could beat LeBron. I could beat Kevin Durant. Couldn't beat Kobe though because he stole all my moves. <laughs> That's great, awesome. And that's like that. Like I really do believe that like Kobe is the closest thing that our generation will have to a Michael Jordan. And I'm interested to see if like somebody else can step up and be that person. Because yeah. it's not LeBron. Like LeBron is not. I just don't feel like he's focused enough to be that. I, I completely agree. I don't want to get too into the uh, conversation of. Uh, you know, bashing certain players like right. LeBron. But it is going to be interesting to see because I think this year really marked the beginning of a new era. I think we have new players like James Harden and Giannis and some of these young bucks, if you will. <laughs> yeah. that Like literal young bucks like Giannis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I think there's a good chance that some of these guys could maybe take that crown for the next few years, but we'll see. I'd be crazy. Because, especially because I was looking at, and I'm going to go off on a little side tangent here. There's two stats, because we're talking NBA, two stats that I thought were absolutely nuts. Russell Westbrook is about to complete his third straight season averaging a triple-double. Yeah, that's insane. And everyone's just like, eh, that's cool. Like you, So you haven't even heard about that this year. It's just because it's, be- it's become such commonplace. That's what's crazy. Yeah. Like... Don't get me wrong, like prior to the last two seasons, I've been a staunch Russell Westbrook, like not a hater, but like I don't buy into the hype, but the dude is just like casually going to put up three straight seasons, averaging a triple double and like literally seems like nobody cares. Yeah. What a, what a tragedy. That's yeah, it's pretty wild. That's something that hasn't happened since the sixties, right? Yeah, like or Oscar ha- Oscar Robinson did it a couple. I mean, Oscar Robinson's like the king of triple doubles, but right. like, I don't even know if anybody has ever done that. Like averaged. Oh, I mean, if it did happen, it would make sense that it happened in the '60s because stats in the '60s were like crazy, right? <laughs> like Wilt putting up a hundred points. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> but and then the second thing I wanted to say is that like James Harden also just casually put up like. 50 like 60 points like he puts up like 50 60 points you're like oh that's good it's a good game for james harden right (laughs) it's it's just what the heck (laughs) we're getting used to to greatness so it's pretty crazy when when you uh see somebody score 55 points and you're like yeah that's nice man this happens like once every couple on the butt yeah good game (laughs) how boy uh anyway another thing that happened on this day march 28th but this was actually 20 years ago Shaq had a wild, disrespectful dunk on Chris Dudley of the New York Knicks. Oh, yeah. Have you seen this? I sure have, where he dunks it. And then, like, this is what's cool about that clip. Because he dunks it, and then, like, there's multiple broadcast angles, right? So, like, the regular game angle where it shows everything, it doesn't look like anything harmless. But then you just see Chris Dudley, like, sling the ball at him. (laughs) And you're like, dude, what happened? Right. And then it goes to the close-up. And he just like does this like get off me show. Yeah. And it's so disrespectful. I think it's a combination of things because it starts and Shaq 
dunks over him pretty violently. Mm-hmm. And then he puts his legs almost like around. <laughs> he, he, okay, not to get too graphic here, but he essentially puts his junk. His mid-region. His mid-region <laughs> in Dudley's face and wraps his legs around him as he's dunking. <laughs> and then as he uh, releases and hits the ground, then he shoves Dudley. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just the most like, disrespectful thing i've ever seen disrespect but it was also like the most awesome dog one of his most awesome dogs i don't know oh so was that and and i should probably know this but that was lakers shack right yeah that was lakers shack okay um way back in the day back when he was so like that well 20 years ago so that was what 99 Yeah. yeah yeah okay yeah that makes sense so yeah that was that was early in his career but I just wanted to mention that because because I saw that that happened uh, 20 years ago today. Pretty crazy. That's a great trip down memory lane <laughs> right there. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, obviously, we've been right in the midst of March, March Madness. Right. Um, anything that you're shocked by so far? No. Actually, I read, I read a stat the other day that the top three seeds made it in every division. That's like the first time since. It's, it's the first time in... A, in quite a few years yeah um this year's march madness to me has been a lot less well here let me let me pause and let me start by saying i'm not a huge college basketball fan yeah i'm on record saying that yeah because i talked to i talked to so many people who are like well they just care more they play better defense okay well they play a zone and teams miss like every open three yeah so that's the reason why I like teams like Duke because they hit open shots and half their team is going to go play in the NBA at some point. And so I'm not a huge March Madness fan. I follow it because it is interesting and it, it makes for great sports moments. But this year is certainly not as exciting as last year. Like there was a 16-1 upset last year. Um, it seemed like the storylines of last year were a little bit more fun and exciting to follow. Whereas this year, it's like, hey, the teams that we expect to win are, are winning. Right. With the exception of Villanova, who I think is out now. But, yeah, I mean, nothing really surprises me. I think, like, I I guess mild surprise is that Zion came back and was as dominant as he was before he left. Right. Like, I thought that was interesting because usually it takes guys a couple of games to get back into the groove. But he's just like, yeah, just kidding. I'm I'm ready to roll. And he's just been crushing it. Yeah, yeah. I think that Duke, I still personally think Duke is is the team to beat, but we'll see. It, it would be, well, I almost I almost said something I might regret. I almost said it would be an upset of USA, Soviet Union, Miracle on Ice if somebody beat them, but that's like, <laughs> that's sacred ground. I, and yeah. I'm glad I caught myself, but I mean, it would be, I would be very, I would be very interested to see what team could take them on. However... The game they played against US UCF or USF, I think it was. I don't remember who it was. It was one of the Florida teams. I think it was UCF. Yeah, UCF. It took a missed free throw and tip in. Yeah, and another missed tip in on the other side for them to advance. So that was the one game that I thought they did not deserve to win. Right. And no, nothing comes easy. <laughs> yeah, and I was talking to a couple of friends about this, and I've realized this now more than ever. Um, now that I'm actually coaching and obviously I'm not like running the whole ship, but like I'm experiencing the coaching side of things. Every championship takes so much luck. Like you can put together the best team. You can put together, you know, the best coaching staff, the right personalities, everything. But if injuries come into play or you face that one team that just has your number, like anything can happen. And so, I've really learned that winning a championship, yeah, you want the best team has the best chance to win a championship, but it doesn't mean you're going to win one. Yeah, absolutely. There's so much luck involved. Yeah, and that's what made that 2011 Dallas Mavericks title run so great, man. (laughs) Yeah, because going back to that, and that's a great example, their second leading scorer behind Dirk got injured. 
Yeah. It's Corey, uh, Corey Brewer. Uh, no, it was no. Um, Karan Butler. Karan Butler. Same initials, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I tend to have that problem at times. <laughs> yeah, but that is, yeah, I mean, we could talk about that for an entire episode, but yeah, it's just. March it, Madness is truly madness. Yeah. This and, year, just a little bit less so. <laughs> <laughs> the last thing I have for our starting lineup is about Manchester United. And uh, they actually finally named a new permanent manager. Um, and I'm going to butcher his the pronunciation of his name. Okay. I'll give it a shot after you're done. I think it's Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Okay. Okay. I totally ruined it. So I think I think it's Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. I don't have no idea. Solskjaer. That sounds a lot closer than whatever I said. I don't know. I think he... I think he's Swedish, if I recall. He's from one of the Scandinavian countries. I know that. Yeah. Well, um, he replaced Jose Moreno. I think that's a little bit easier because we're from Texas. And it's like <laughs> easier to say Spanish words than it is to say uh, Scandinavian words. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like Jose, in traditional like Mexican Spanish, that would be pronounced Jose Moreno, Moreno, yeah. I thought H's were silent, but we'll 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 figure it out. We'll take some uh, Rosetta Stone or whatever that is. Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> um, well, basically, I think the reason that this happened is that Manchester United is lower in the standings than they normally would be. Right, they're having kind of a down a down period of time right now. I think they're fifth place in the Premier League standings. Mm-hmm. Um. So, I guess the thought is that, you know, this move will help reverse uh, these <laughs> this place that they're in. I honestly don't know a ton about um, um, fo- football, if you will, <laughs> but that's something that I saw that happened that's a big deal, so. Yeah, I did a little bit of reading into this today, and I mean, obviously, I think I read an article a while back that, like, for Americans who are trying to get into the Premier League. If you're a Manchester United fan, that basically means like you're a fan of the Yankees. Yeah. yeah. So, like not a lot of people like Man U unless they're like the kind of people who would like the Yankees. <laughs> it's <laughs> or, like, like the rooting, kind of who would like the Warriors. Right. It's like rooting for the Empire in Star Wars. Right. It's almost exactly that. And so with Man U, like Jose Marino or I'm just going to say Marino because like Dan Marino, no, <laughs> Jose uh, Moreno, he like very decorated manager, had a lot of success like internationally and with Man U, and he got replaced by kind of an interim manager who's this guy whose name we cannot pronounce, and I guess like since the guy took over, he's been really like riding the ship, yeah, and he's been doing a much better job, and yeah, like Man U is a team that you expect to see in the top three, like always at the top you know top of the fixture if you will i think that's the 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 proper terminology the only way i know this is because i played fifa for a period of time (laughs) um but they're like they're known for being a top of the league type of team and they certainly have top of the league type of talent and so for them to underperform and be in fifth you know you, you tend to see them in top three that's historically where they belong right and so it is a big deal i think it's a big deal in the in the soccer the soccer community, uh, the football community, if you will, um, and so we'll see what happens. I think they they've been playing better. I'm going to use more FIFA terms. Their form has been better of late. There you uh, go. They've been in good form recently. <laughs> so, uh, literally, all I know about soccer or football is because I played FIFA 2017. Nice. I'm not even up to date. Like it's just. I feel like we talked about this um, in the past and it, it can relate to my knowledge of skateboarding. But I think a big reason why I was able to get into skateboarding so much and like know anything at all about it was from those Tony Hawk video games. Oh, yeah. Right? And it's funny the way that video games impact, especially this younger generation. Oh, for sure. In uh, knowledge and, and likelihood to pursue a certain sport. Yeah, and I think... I'm interested, and we and, and Ryan and I did an episode on MLS soccer and basically why why is soccer not bigger in the United States? 
And so I'll be interested to see like going forward if the United States takes a bigger priority in that then if they really want to see the best type of soccer then they will turn to Premier League or you know the Spanish League La Liga. Yeah, I can pronounce that one. But do we have anything else on the uh, the old starting lineup? We don't. It is time to start our new series. This series will be sporadic. Um, it's not going to be like the Corruption in Sports series where we kind of tackle it all in one frame of time. This sure. is uh, kind of more open-ended. Yeah, I think really what we're going to be doing is getting back to the original format of the podcast, which is, you know, we may have an interview scheduled here and there for the podcast, which we haven't forgotten about. Um, we may have some interviews about some topics that we want to cover, but it's not going to be necessarily as structured as, hey, next week's episode is about corruption. So we're going to kind of start going back to what sounds cool to talk about this week. And so I'll introduce this segment because this is one that I, like when Ryan and I started the podcast, this was one that I had in the back of my mind from the beginning of the podcast. And uh, it's called Pick Up and Play. So the theory behind this podcast comes from a personal story for me, which is that when I finished playing baseball my junior year of college, I experienced a bit of a personal crisis because I had spent most of my life playing organized sports, right? And when it ended, I had no clue how to interact with sports outside of being a fan. And so I was reminiscing on those times and thinking to myself, it might have been nice to like know what sports were out there that I could pick up. And maybe that was just because I was not paying attention to what was out there. But literally my junior year, as, as soon as I got done playing baseball, I played frisbee golf. I started actually playing golf seriously, started playing volleyball, like all these sports that like you don't think about when you're in an actual sport. But there are so many ways that we can interact with sports outside of just being fans yeah i totally agree it's interesting because i feel like the two sports that are hardest to continue and continue to play as you grow out of the organized sports world like as you grow out of high school and college Mm -hmm. are american football right and baseball that's definitely american football is definitely the hardest i think so and i think baseball might be the second hardest i I, would agree hockey's up there i guess but but we're we both played two of those sports that once you get out of the high school college age you just can't ever it's never going to be the same right and so and you're right because there are men's baseball leagues but they're hard to find there are men's softball leagues but that's not the same I mean, you think about it. You can join a, a basketball league. You can join a... And, and like when I lived in Colorado, there were so many men's hockey leagues. So like that's actually more common probably in colder states than it is here in Dallas. Sure. Um, I mean, you can really join a men's league for just about everything. But yeah, I mean, you can't join... like And then we said this on previous episodes. Once football's over, it's over. Yeah. There's like, no more full pad, full contact football. Yeah, it's done. And so and, and and again, like it's like I can I would compare flag football to men's softball. Right. It's like it's kind of the same, but you you know deep down in your heart you're not getting the same sort of experience out of it. Like you're right. not you're not like in massive adrenaline rush mode. Right. You're yeah. kinda like taking it easy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's nothing I don't want I don't mean to say there's nothing on the line, but you know, if you catch a ball in the middle of the field, you don't have to worry that the linebacker is going to completely flatten you. Oh, yeah. You just, yeah, you may get your flag pulled. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, darn. It's yeah. not the same. And for, and I feel like for baseball, like you said, those actual baseball leagues are harder to come across. Mm-hmm. We're, you know, I mean, you're never going to be able to play games two, three times a week again, right? Right, yeah. Like, it's just, it's hard. And, and I think... For us specifically, we we didn't realize that when it was done, it was going to be done, and and it would hit us so hard. Right. And uh, it's it's good to have some other sports kind of in your inventory that you can 
sure that you can pull out and, and pursue once you get to that point. Yeah, absolutely. And like we were doing some talking about what are these sports? And like when we decide to do this segment, because as we just stated, like we probably won't do this back to back weeks. Uh, we'll probably get back to being random and sporadic with our episodes. But there really are so many sports that you can truly pick up and play. And, you know, I mean that in the sense of like, hey, if you're willing to work at it to get good, you know, there's so many different options that even I didn't know about after, you know, I was 21 when I finished playing baseball. And like, there were so many things out there that I was like, I didn't know there were leagues, like organized leagues for this. And so that's really the spirit of pick up and play. And so what we'll be doing on this episode and all the future episodes that are about pick up and play is we're going to talk about a sport. We're going to talk about our personal involvement in that sport. And then we're going to rate it on, on five main criteria to give you guys kind of an idea of what it would actually take to pick it up and start playing. So we kind of deem these the five most important criteria for any new sport. And so number one, the price to start playing. So, you know, what would it cost to buy the gear you need or perhaps the clothing you would need uh, to get started, all right? Number two, how hard is it to learn how to play, right? How hard is it to, you know, find out the rules, you know, figure out the form, all those type of things. Number three, how hard is it to find a place to play? So this could be a competitive league. This could be, maybe you could just go out to a field with your buddies and do this kind of stuff. Right. Um, so how hard is it to find a place to play? Number four, how difficult is it to find people to play with? And that's probably the most subjective of the criteria because it depends heavily on your friends group. And then it also depends heavily on how willing are you to play with complete strangers. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so that's the most subjective of the of the criteria. Um, and then number five is how difficult to, how difficulty <laughs> how difficult is it to practice and I guess essentially get better, right? So is it is it hard to go find a place where you can work on your form? Is it hard to find a place where you can, you know, could you go to your backyard to practice? Do you have to go to a specific area to practice? So all those kind of things. So we're going to rate those things on a scale of one to five. So one being, I guess for difficulty, one would be very difficult and then five would be easy. And then does that make sense? I guess like, I feel like it maybe should be flipped. Okay. Five would be difficult. Okay. And one would be really easy. Okay. So we want, that makes sense. That makes sense. So when you read the scores for these sports, you want to find a low score. Right. Right. Okay. So, which actually is a perfect lead in to what our first episode is going to be about. And I've talked about it a number of times on the pod. Our first episode that we did together, just us two, was about this sport. Yeah, that's right. And uh, today we're going to be talking about golf. Good old fashioned golf. Right. It, it's been around for a long time. The weather, at least here in North Texas, is just beautiful lately. And it every day I'm in the office, I'm like, man, I wish I was playing golf. Yeah. And then I get on the course and I get mad and I'm like, man, I wish I was in the office. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a vicious cycle. Yeah. Yeah. Golf is um, the experience I've had with golf is it's a lot of fun when you th look back and think about <laughs> it in the past. But when you're out on the course, you kind of question why you went. <laughs> Dude, that is so true. It, you're like, that is a 100% spot on take because. I look at golf very fondly and then I get on the course and like shank some shots and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I just want to get out of here. And right. Like I'm doing my best to not throw stuff or, um, <laughs> I will say this though. And I hope to be proven wrong in the future. I think golf is the only sport that you can play where you're encouraged to drink a little bit as you're playing. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, it's one of the few where you can get away with that. Like and maybe bowling is another one? Like, yeah, I don't bowling, um, disc golf. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, um, that's true. But I guess that's kind of in that golf world. Right. Um, yeah, I can't think of a whole lot of other sports where you can kind of sip a beer throughout the duration of the event and the sport. Yeah, and obviously the pros aren't doing that, but you know, you get out on the course and like the culture is like, hey, 
don't you stay for a while? Right. Like, take it easy. Take it easy. Enjoy the nice. No stress. Well landscaped scenery and and have a beer. Maybe have three or four. Like, it's funny. I've talked to uh, people out on the golf course who claim that they play better as they've been drinking, right? So like there was one time I played with a guy. I got paired up with a guy and he drank a beer every hole. What? So he had probably 18 beers and I'm not exaggerating. And I think he hit this point maybe around like nine or 10 where he was playing well. But then by the time we got to like hole like 14, 15, it was a mess. Oh my God. Yeah. That sounds horrible. Oh, it was crazy, dude. I was absolutely shocked. I mean, he brought a six pack, blew through that on the, before we even made it to the back nine. Right. And he was buying beers every single time the cart lady came up. So I think he <laughs> had at least 14 beers, but I think he had one a hole. I mean, I was observing this pretty pretty intently and yeah. uh, it was pretty wild. That's insane. I know that like when I play, I I feel like, and this is probably wrong. This is probably just me making an excuse to drink on the course, but I feel like when I get about maybe two beers, maybe three beers deep, I stop. Like it's before I start experiencing physical degradation and it's right when I start experiencing like take the mind out of it and just swing relaxed and that's when I have my best success. Yeah. But the problem is if you're playing 18 holes, how do you maintain that level (laughs) of like carefree okay i get it like i just got to be relaxed on the backswing got to be relaxed on the downswing and it's all gonna work out it it goes away quick it must be a formula like the perfect amount of sunlight to keep the sweat going right and then the perfect amount of intake keeps you at that (laughs) optimum level (laughs) like the blood like people are gonna start bringing like breathalyzers out to the (laughs) to the course and being like okay i'm gonna test with this much alcohol and then I'm going to see how the shot goes. And then like the next hole, I'm going to do the same thing. And it's like, okay, this is the number I need to be at. And it's <laughs> like, like a wild science experiment. Oh, man. I hope that's not what happens. But Well, you never know, man. Humans are very smart when it comes to wondering how they can get drunk or high. That's the truth. They're very, they're very, uh, there's not a word for this that I know. Ingenuitive, but that's kind of the the <laughs> the, the feel I'm going for. But we talked about the culture surrounding golf. Um, it is fun. I, I do enjoy it. I think you're right. Like it's a sport again that in the moment I can get frustrated with, but as I walk out of it and I return to normal life, I'm like, I can't wait to go again. Right. Cause it is, it is fun. And like, as you see yourself progress and get better, it's a sport that early on is, is a little bit difficult. There's a, a bit of a steep learning curve, but once you get past that, you start making very noticeable strides and improvements pretty quickly. Oh, definitely. I think one of the most satisfying things about golf as well is being able to enjoy your scenery. And so depending on where you live, the scenery is going to be very different, right? right? If you live in San Diego and you can go play um, Torrey Pines. Oh, yeah. Right? Like, I don't, you could, you could shoot the worst game of your life, not be able to even hit the ball and you're going to have a great time. And maybe have your best round because <laughs> it's just, yeah, the scenery is beautiful. Right. Now, if you're in Phoenix and it's July, you know, you might have some good scenery, but you might be sweating to the point where you're not even able to keep up uh, with your water intake. Yeah, seriously. So, I, I don't know. I think one of the best things about golf is just being able to slow down, forget about the work week. Yes. You know, unplug from everything and enjoy your surroundings. Yeah. Because I think one of the things that I've noticed personally, and again, like once you're done with sports, the amount of time you spend outside, it has to be very intentional. Like I don't spend a lot of time outside unless I'm playing golf or I'm walking the dog, or I don't know. I don't, because like we don't really do a lot of camping. Like when I lived in Colorado, we talked about hiking all the time. We never really did. But like being in a well landscaped place 
and being outside, especially like in North Texas at this time of year where it's like mid to low 70s and sunny, maybe a little bit of a breeze. And it's like, I want to be outside, but I just don't want to sit. I want to be doing something while I am outside. Yeah, sure. And so it is like, you know, it can be negative mental therapy, but it can also be like very positive mental therapy. Because like for me, if I can get outside with three of my best friends, I don't care how well I play. It's just fun to like ride around in a cart, maybe have a beer or two, like, and hit a little ball and maybe it goes, maybe it's a good shot. Maybe it's terrible. It's just, it, there's something fun and like calming about it. Yeah. And I think, you know, all sports to a certain extent have the exact same goal in mind, right? Right. You're obviously working towards something. Mm -hmm. You're able to get outside and get exercise. Right. You're able to unplug from the routine tasks and your, you know, your job, the routine tasks of life. And you're able to enjoy the scenery, the outdoors. Yeah, for sure. And so I think it's very important to experience that. And the whole point of this segment is to hopefully introduce sports and look at them in a different way, a realistic way that um, you can get involved. Yeah, absolutely. So without any further ado, kind of talked a little bit about the culture of golf, our personal involvement with golf. Uh, Let's get into these ratings. I think this is where the rubber meets the road a little bit. So, and remember as it is in golf, the lower the score, the better. Yes, so, and I think precisely. it was completely coincidental that we decided because literally I was going on the premise this whole week that like oh a high score is like what you want to get, but then I was like no it actually makes sense that you want to get a lower score for this segment. Um, yeah, and you know we can change it in the future. I just kind of threw that out yeah. there, and now I'm thinking about it more, and I'm questioning myself. I think but. I think it could be ambiguous. I I agree. So, well, let's start with the first category, which is the price to start playing. Um, so this is another, I was thinking about this previously. This is another relatively, uh, subjective stat. Like if you're out here making, you know, a million dollars a year, golf's not really going to hurt your pocketbook too much. But if you're out here making like $10,000 a year, um, well, technically if you're doing that, you're making less than minimum wage. So I tell you to quit your job. But, uh, if you're not making nearly as much, you know, getting by, maybe not struggling, but this may not be the sport for you. But I will say this. I bought my wife a, a set of beginner clubs at Dick Sporting Goods. They were on sale. I bought her a beginner set for $120. And I feel like if you're getting into a sport or any hobby for that matter, I think $120 is a decent entry level cost. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, the thing with golf in, uh, with pricing is that each time that you go and play, whether it be going to the driving range or going and playing on the course, there is some sort of fee that, uh, comes into play. Right. So obviously if you go to the driving range, it's, you, you know, you may not notice it because it's probably five bucks and you get mm-hmm. enough golf balls to, you know, practice with over the course of an hour. Right. But if you want to go and play at a golf course and play, you know, 18 holes, depending on where you go, it can be anywhere from 20, $25 up to well over a hundred. Right. And I know that's a pretty big difference. Mm-hmm. So I think on average around here in North Texas, our costs are somewhere in like the 30 to $40 range. Right. And, and that's for courses that are decent, but yeah, you're, I mean, you're spot on. Like I've, I've gone and played rounds and paid 80 bucks. And then, you know, bought food and bought drinks while I was on the course. And now my outing has turned into a $100 plus, you know, event. Right. And so, yeah, I think where I would put my rating on this. So if you look at entry level costs, you're going to buy your clubs, which you can either buy. I've been researching this lately. You can buy pre-owned clubs if you want to buy like nicer clubs that are pre-owned. That's an option you can go. You can buy... A beginner set of clubs, like my first set of clubs was a $200 beginner set that I got for Christmas, and I used them for a year and a half. 
And then as I knew I wanted to get better, I bought better clubs that would produce better results. But, I mean, you have to buy clubs. You have to buy golf balls, which early on you're going to lose a lot. Sure. But you can buy recycled balls. You can buy cheaper ones. Um, you can go to Walmart and they have a bag of recycled balls. Right. Um, I think it's like 15 or 20 bucks. Yeah, and there's like 100 or something like that. So It's definitely enough to get you by for a few months, I would think. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And then... You want to so depending on where you go play, you may have to buy nicer attire. Um, some golf courses don't have a dress code. Some of the more upscale ones will have like a you have to wear a a polo and slacks or like you know the appropriate golf pants like no denim, no sh- like people will let you wear shorts, but like no denim, no like t-shirts, you know, kind of that style. But not all courses will do that. Um, I've been out in very casual gear and people don't really care. Um, and then, yeah, as you said, you pay your green fees, which is just the cost to go play the course. And then if there's a cart associated with it, you may have to pay for that. But what I've noticed and what I found out is at least in the North Texas area, there are memberships that are like the one that I do is like $50 a month and you get to play any of these courses. You get to play twilight golf for free, which is just golf after 5 PM and you get free range balls. So like for $50 a month, it's not terrible. Um, but all that being said, I'm going to put the entry level cost to start at a four, Okay. a four out of five. So it's a little bit on the higher end. It's not for people who are, you know, barely getting by on their rent or whatever. It's, it's for somebody who maybe has a little bit more money that they can spend. Yeah, you know, at the end absolutely. Of the month. So I'm going to say four. Yeah. Um, I'm going to do some quick math here um, verbally, but let's say you're getting into it for the first time and you have nothing, right? Okay. So I would expect to spend, let's say, let's, let's say on the high side, let's say we're going to spend $300 on some golf clubs. I think that's completely reasonable. And then let's say that we are going to go to Walmart and get some used balls and we're going to spend 20 bucks. Okay. So that's 320 that we're at. Okay. And now we're going to go and pay 40 bucks to play at a golf course during the daytime or in the morning. Sure. So now we're at 360. Mm-hmm. And let's say that we need to buy a new polo shirt and some new shorts. Um, and I'm going to say that maybe that would cost 80 bucks. That's actually exactly what I was thinking. Okay, great. So that would be 440. And that would pretty much be absolutely everything you would need to play one round of golf and get all the equipment 440 bucks yeah um now from that point on like christian said you could pay 50 dollars a month and we could you could go monthly after twilight and play mm-hmm. for free right or you could just go as you get a chance once a week maybe pay 30 bucks yeah you get discounted tea time rates with that too so so i'm so the way i'm seeing this is a a substantial entry fee mm-hmm. and then once you start playing on the regular it's just like having another bill sure right so it's like having another water bill or another okay cable bill okay sure. so i'm gonna also agree with you and give this a four yeah uh, i kind of was in between the four and the five i think this is one of the more expensive sports to to get into yeah for sure but i i think there are ways to do it cheap you know and do it the right way so right and i i liken this to learning how to play guitar okay i could go and this happens and i have friends that work at music shops and they say the 50 year old dude who worked his whole life and maybe just retired or made money off investments the first guitar he buys is a 1969 les paul (laughs) so (laughs) it's like okay like so this guy who wants to learn how to play guitar is going to spend well over a couple grand to get a guitar. Right. It's like, do you really need that? No. Same thing with golf, right? If I'm learning how to play golf, why would I go buy a set of irons that cost $1,200? Because I'm not good enough to use them. Right. And then as you get better and as you say, hey, you know what? I kind of do like golf. And this is exactly what I did. I got a pair of beginner clubs. And as I got better, I was like, all right, I'm going to buy a new driver. And I bought a year model behind that driver right so it's like you don't ever have to be on the most recent stuff either and like you can buy pre-owned which a lot of companies do really good pre-owned deals so there's ways of doing it without emptying your wallet but i think four is probably the best 
way to explain it because it's a it's a hefty entry level fee, but then once you're once you get past that, it's just you it, you pay as much as you want to play. Sure, essentially. So number two, difficulty to learn. Um, <laughs> oh boy, this is a this is the easiest rating I will probably get for any sport, and this is a solid five. I agree. I think it's a five, hands down. <laughs> so I'll give a little bit of pretense to that. My when I got my first set of golf clubs, I spent the first year and a half learning how to not slice a ball. So slicing meaning like when you hit it, it goes, it curves strong to the right. I spent a year and a half learning how to do that. And golf is hard. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna try and sweeten it up. Golf is it is not easy. It's yeah, it's it takes a lot of I don't know if meditation is the right word, but like a lot of clearing your mind and almost, I guess, almost not thinking it. Because right. for me, the biggest, my biggest boundary in golf is overthinking stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, I'm going to agree with you on a five. It's one of those things that I got into because my dad was into it and uh, I, I was taken to the course as I was younger. So I had an opportunity to learn at a young age when it's easier to pick things up. Right. And I still struggle with it, man. It's tough. It's it's not an easy sport. And so if you're looking at trying to get into golf and you're wanting something that's pretty easy to pick up, this is not for you. Well, and the way I look at it too is if you want to get into golf, you absolutely can. And you can you can become good at golf but it takes a lot of consistency and that's going to play into the money conversation right and And i think for me the best way to explain golf is that if you go out and you play a miserable round but you hit one good shot that's the shot that keeps you coming back for more oh absolutely and like golf is unlike any sport i've ever played in that like i just said i could have a miserable round but like I could tee up on a par three and hit it within four feet and be like, dude, this is, this is it. This is the dream. And like, it's just such a unique sport in that regard. Yeah. I agree with the five and I completely agree with you. I do think that if you want to really pursue it and get to where you're playing at a high level, the cost is going to increase and, and arguably be a five. Yeah. Lessons. Yeah. So like, we have a buddy of ours who's taking lessons right now. And I told him, I was like, dude, if I was still single and unmarried, I'd probably be doing the same thing. Sure. <laughs> Cause you know, the money, I mean, the money's not inconsequential to say it in a more eloquent way than, <laughs> than what I probably could have said. But okay, so we're both at five on that. We were both at four on the first one. Difficulty to find a place to play. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think for most people, this would actually be like a two. Okay. I'm going to say if you live anywhere near a city, right? there are going to be golf courses all over the place. Right. And um, I've even been in the middle of the country, at least here in Texas, and you'll see golf courses and there's nothing else around. Right. So I, I feel like... You know, I'm I'm not going to give it a one because it's not something that you can just go do in your backyard or anywhere, mm-hmm. but I'm going to give it a two because I think at least, you know, in the Metroplex that I'm in and any place I've gone to visit, you can Google golf course and find something within five miles. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. And I think I'm also going to give it a two. Uh, so far, we're three for three. There we go. Sharing the same number, but you're right. Like if you live in a a population area where there's more than a handful of people, odds are there's a golf course nearby. And like with the prominence of top golf, which obviously isn't pure golf, but it's, you know, I, I feel like golf is becoming more available. Um, it's, it's not particularly difficult to go find a place to play. So if I were to take my current location right now, which I will not share with anybody on this podcast, there's a golf course like, less than a mile away from me. There's another golf course less than four miles away from me. There's a third golf course less than 10 miles away from me. So it's like in in this area, there's probably five golf courses within a 20 mile radius. Oh yeah. And and like, 
I think two is good because you're right. Like you couldn't just go out in your backyard and just do it. Um, so, but it's the ne- next, yeah. you know, easiest <laughs> way to go play. It's, right. They're, they're all over the place. Exactly. So moving on to number four, difficulty to find people to play with. And I kind of gave the uh, disclaimer that this is very dependent upon one, your friends group and two, your desire to play with random people. So my thought on difficulty of finding people to play with is also a two. Okay. But that's also based on my personality because like we have a friends group that at any given time we can usually get three guys to go play Twilight or go play around a golf. If that doesn't happen, I'm content to meet new people on the golf course and just go by myself because yeah. you get paired yeah. up with random people. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm actually going to give this a one um, just because okay. golf to me is one of those sports, like you said, where you can go by yourself and right. I'm the type of person where of course I would love to play with a friend, you know, first and foremost, but if that can't happen, I can put my headphones in and I can play and just enjoy some music and right. the scenery and playing by myself. Yeah. Um, That's another thing. Actually, you touched on a good point cause I didn't mention that. So when you go and you say, Hey, I'm playing as a solo, either you will get paired up with another group or sometimes you can just play by yourself. Right. And I love playing by myself. I think it's fun. Yeah, you play at your own pace. Um, you don't really have anyone else, I guess, judging your game. Sure. <laughs> Which in golf can be can be nice. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's so true. So yeah, I'm gonna give it a one, man. I think I think golf is um one of those sports where it's extremely easy to find people to play with. And if you can't find anyone to play with, you can still play because it's not that big a deal to play by yourself. Right. Yeah, there's no like weird stigma attached to that. So, all right, last but not least, difficulty to practice. I want to hear, I know there's a lot of like a lot of analysis on this, but I want to hear your thoughts on this one. Yeah, um I guess it depends on what you mean by difficulty. I think if you're speaking of the availability of practice space. Okay. I'd say that's part of it. I would say this is a probably a two. Okay. I, I'd rate it similar to golf courses and how available they are. I think driving ranges are equally, if not more available, because every golf course is going to have a driving range. Right. And there are a lot of places that, like you mentioned, top golf and just driving ranges that are also around the city. So right. I think the availability to practice is there. However, I think being able to find a mentor or a teacher, um, I think that can be harder. Mm-hmm. So I think I'm going to give this a three. Okay. I think I'm going to put this right in the middle. Okay. So... <laughs> It's actually funny because I was thinking three as well, but then you brought up some points that I actually hadn't even thought of. Um, So when I say like, and and maybe we'll define this out as we continue the segment, but when I say practice, it's like, yeah, like the ability to work on different parts of your game. So like if you go to a driving range, you can work on every part of your game. Um, Obviously there are no places where you can go practice being on a course because that's just around a golf, right? But like, I can go in my backyard and set up a screen and hit shots into a screen or, you know, buy a putting green that you see in every office space that, you know, people just practice their putting and, you know, and and, and you can actually get good practice out of that. Um, Yeah. Finding a, you know, finding a teacher. I think that's another thing that um, one thing that I've noticed is that if you, if you go to a course, oftentimes there's a PGA tour professional so basically like a professional golfer, either former or current that does lessons at that location. Um, so that's, you know, I'm going to probably say a two on this. It's again, it's not like, hey, I can just do, I can go anywhere I want and practice golf. Um, but I do think it is relatively easy to find a place to improve at least one part of your game. You know, whether that's going in your backyard and hitting chip shots or, you know, I mean, I, I I wouldn't call this practice, but you can go to putt-putt and work on your putting. Obviously, you're not going to be shooting through windmills and, you know, dragon's wings or anything like in a regular golf course, but I, th- I think there's something. There's some value to that. There's some value. So let's do a little recap. So that was our five um, 
we both said price to start playing was a four. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Okay. And then difficulty to learn, we both said was a five. Right. So we're at nine. Difficulty to find a place to play, we both said two. Is that correct? Yeah, two on that. Okay, so we're at 11. Difficulty to find people to play with. Uh, I said, what did I say? I think you said a one. I said one, you said two. I said two. So I'm at 11, you're at 10. And then difficulty to practice. You said three and I said two. So we're tied. We're tied. We got the exact same number. What is that number? So 13? Is that right? Yes. Okay. If it's not right, I'll put a note in the show notes that we don't know how to do math. But as we continue to do this segment and as we continue to review more sports, you can kind of start lining them up and saying, okay, maybe this one's a little bit more difficult to get into. Um, maybe this is one that like I don't have a ton of time or a ton of money, but you know, I still want to get into something new. Um, maybe this fits my uh, you know, fits my schedule or fits my budget a little bit more. Um, but I'm excited. I think that'll be a cool way to, you know, provide ways to interact with sports outside of just being a fan and sitting on your couch and drinking beer and eating hot wings and like watching a game. Yeah. Yeah. Which is still fun. But <laughs> <laughs> So I guess my question is with that rating, is this something that you would encourage a listener to, to pursue, I guess. Okay. And, and so I guess real quick before you answer that, I think, the way I'm looking at this is if money isn't an issue for you and you are a patient person, I would say absolutely. Yeah. But I think if you're running, you know, fairly tight on your uh, finances and you lack time and patience, this is not the sport for you. Right. I think, and I guess I could explain it this way. Like when I finished college, and I had a full-time salary job, golf became a much more realistic option for me because I was paying rent, but I still had money. Like, And once I got my clubs, which I asked for for Christmas, which was nice, I didn't have to pay for them. But once I got to that point, like, I was interested because, yeah, you can go to the driving range and spend five to ten bucks to hit a bucket of balls, and it's like not that hard. And you don't have to spend a ton of money. And then eventually you splurge and say, hey, I do want to go out to the course and play. So, like, I think you're spot on. Like, you've got to be patient because it's not one of those sports that, like, is going to come to you super quick unless you're just some sort of, like, prodigy that just didn't figure it out earlier on. Um, Sure. So, if you have the patience, maybe you have a little bit more money. But I kind of think of it this way. If I want to get into gaming... I'm going to have to either buy an Xbox, a PlayStation, a computer, or a Nintendo Switch. And you're going to spend most of the time around the same amount of money that you would spend on golf. Yeah. You're going to spend around four or $500 to get a good setup. You know, if you're talking about purely from scratch, right? So I see this as like, it, it's it's a hobby that, you know, sits pretty, you know, it's, it's for, not for people that don't have money. And like, to be completely blunt like hobbies aren't for people who don't have money (laughs) that's true i mean any hobby is gonna be expensive depending on how you know how into it you get right but i think you're right i mean a lot of people spend probably 60 bucks a month on a new video game right you know and you could you could spend 50 bucks a month and play free twilight as much as as much as you want so yeah i i agree i think it's um it's very doable. It just kind of depends on what your priorities are. Yeah, absolutely. So, do you do you remember the final score we gave golf? Probably start. Did we say thirteen? I think we said thirteen. Let, let's do the math one more time to be safe. So, okay. we, first was five. Yep. Then four. So that's nine. Yeah. So it was. No, no, it was, that was flipped. But yeah, you're correct. So it was difficulty to. It was like entry level cost, which was a four. Right. Difficulty to learn, which was a five. So we're at nine. And then difficulty to find. I said two. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of difficulty to find. So that's 11. Right. For me. Oh, I think. Okay. And then we said like people to play with. You said that was a one. So I'm at 12. And then place to practice. And I said two, two or three. So I think two. I said I said three, I think. Okay. So 15. So that's actually 15. Okay. So 15 out of. A potential 25 right so we'll, we'll start posting these numbers um as we go 
and then you guys can start because we're going to start doing these episodes, you know, kind of sporadically. Uh, but you guys can like start ranking them up or, you know, seeing, hey, maybe this one's a little bit too high for me. Like maybe there's some ones that I care more about, like the entry level price and kind of working with that. Yeah. So, cool. I think that's a good segment. I, it's, it's something that, again, I've been thinking about for a while because there are so many sports out there and like just spitballing. You can play golf. We've talked about disc golf. You can do, I mean, there's kickball leagues, there's volleyball leagues, there's men's basketball leagues. You've got like, um, obstacle course racing. Yeah, which I think would be an awesome one to cover. There's racquetball, there's tennis. Like, there's there's so much stuff out there that, like, you can step into and actually, like, do if you really want to. And I think that's what's so cool about the segment is, like, it's giving another opportunity to take a look at a sport that maybe you didn't think too highly of. Yeah. So... Cool. We're running out of time. Nick, do you have any closing thoughts? Any closing thoughts? Are you asking for my one and done? Your one and done. Yeah. That, I have to remember what we actually named this thing. <laughs> <laughs> one and done. Man. I would say, I actually, I'll be honest, I didn't think of a one and done for today. Okay. But do you have anything? I do. So we talked a little bit about opening day and, uh, I have to say this, and maybe this is just because I played baseball my whole life, but opening day to me is almost the equivalent of a holiday because after going through like a long off season of baseball, I think like, and I I will stand pretty firm on this take that like, I think baseball is maybe not the most popular sport in the United States. I think it's the most important sport in the United States. I think it intertwines with U.S. history, and I think... There's something so unique about baseball and the United States and like how the two intertwine that really makes me love baseball more and more each season. Um, And so I'm really excited for opening day. The Blue Jays lost my first favorite team. The Rangers lost my second favorite team. Uh, It's not going to be a great season for a lot of the teams that I love, but man, like I just... It's, I think it's like what you said a couple weeks ago about how you can put on a game on the radio and like it's just it's cool background noise. Right. And like I did that at work today. Like first game came on. I just put it on the radio. I wasn't even watching the game. I was just listening to it while I was working. And I'm like, man, it's good to have baseball back. Yeah, there's definitely a summer American vibe that that. I feel comes out when when the baseball season begins. I like I would argue that The Sandlot is the best sports movie ever. Oh man. <laughs> like 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 if I had maybe that'd be a great episode is like let's do a little like March Madness of the best sports movies of each individual sport. Okay. And do a bracket. I- <laughs> that would be awesome because I do believe like I think The Sandlot's one of the best movies ever because it just encapsulates so much of what makes baseball great and so much of what makes childhood Definitely. great. Definitely. I agree, man. Um, well, I guess you gave me a one and done. Cool. Now let's that I think it. of it. I'm going to talk about the movie Space Jam. All right. Let's do it. I think Space Jam is the best sports movie ever. Oh, boy. Let's go. And... This is maybe more nostalgia than anything, but can you think of an can you think of two greater people to star in a movie than Bugs Bunny and Michael Jordan? No. No. There it's just it hasn't <laughs> been done and I'm not sure that it ever will be topped. So, Dude, that's my I, one and done, man. I could tell you right now, LeBron James and Bugs Bunny won't be better. No way. Bugs is be like, "Yo, I played with the goat." <laughs> Who's this guy? Who's this scrub over here? <laughs> No, that's that's a great point. I'm like trying to think of like legendary movie duos now. Rachel McAdams and uh Ryan Gosling the notebook. in the notebook. Yeah. It's an all time duo. That's an all time duo. Um man, there are a lot. Harrison Ford and Tommy Lee Jones in the Fugitive. Oh, that's a good one. Some of my favorites. Um Jeez, I'm trying to think of other ones. Oh, uh Napoleon Dynamite and uh the guy who played Pedro. <laughs> And there it is. All-time duo. <laughs> and man, nobody could throw a football like uh, Uncle, Uncle Rico. Rico could. Yeah, he could throw a football over the mountains. 
Dude, I and this is probably the last thing I should say before we cut it off, but I think Uncle Rico is my favorite sports-related character in cinema history. Oh, man. I like it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's hard to argue that. (laughs) So, this is my real actual last side note, but Rachel and I's first movie we watched together was Napoleon Dynamite. And she loved Napoleon Dynamite. So, I was like, I'm glad you like this because... How did you guys land on that? I have no clue. That's awesome. But, well, we appreciate you guys joining today. I know we kind of bounced around on some weird topics at the end, but if you like today's episode... Please subscribe to the podcast. We are on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Google Play. If you like today's episode, want to hear other episodes, we are available on all those platforms. Uh, you can also follow us on our social media at RL Sports. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And then, as we said earlier, check out the network. Got some cool stuff going on there. Some cool new YouTube ideas and some uh, some established YouTube channels. Also, a, a podcast with Incubator. They do music reviews, which is fantastic. So, Nick, thanks again for joining. Yeah, thank you as always, man. And listener, thank you for joining as well. My man, Dirk Nowitzki, I don't know if he's going to retire or not, but I do know he's going to call us out. So, thanks, Dirk.